I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hej och välkomna till Vinpratarna. Det är säsongsavslut idag och ni ska få höra på en intervju med Peter Logan från producenten med samma namn som kommer från Orange, vilket ligger strax nordväst om Sydney i Australien. Logan är en av de här nya spännande ambassadörerna för svadodlade, rena och pigga australiska viner. Och vi fick ett snack med honom nu när han var på Sverigebesök för några veckor sedan. Men det vill vi också tacka för den gångna säsongen. Det har varit jätteroligt. Tack för att ni lyssnar. Och nu blir det lite sommarlov och så hörs vi såklart igen i höst. Men fortsätt gärna höra av er med, med frågor och tips och tagga oss på Insta när ni dricker något gott. och så. Det tycker det är superkul att hålla kontakt och vi svarar på allt som alla mejl vi får och så, så fort vi kan. Så tills vi hörs igen så får vi önska en jätteglad sommar och ha trevlig lyssning. Ha det gott! Welcome to, to Sweden and welcome to this podcast that um, we call Vinpratarna. Um, Thank you. You started off, I heard you started off actually as a musician way back in the days. Uh, well, a bad musician. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bass player in a band and um, really I, uh, I found my art in a different way and the rest of the band I think were pretty relieved when I said I'm... Um, <laughs> Moving out to the countryside to make wine, I'm going to have to leave. Um, they went, oh, really? Okay, bye. <laughs> and then they went on to record about 15 albums. <laughs> okay, okay. So they, did, they didn't try to convince you? No. Nah. <laughs> okay. No. Nah. But what happened then? Because you also, you started working in, um, you studied uh, chemistry and biology and stuff like that. Yes, right? yes, I did. And I was working um, as a, i really wanted to be a, a park ranger when I left uni, but um, okay. that didn't happen and ended up falling into sort of by accident because um, I'd studied chemistry. Um, being a, a chemist for a pharmaceutical company um, and was doing that for a while and then woke up one day and went, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> and uh, went to, uh, just threw in my job and did a vintage on a winery just to kill time to work out what I was going to do and loved it. Yeah. And um, and uh, never looked back. And then 
uh, did a postgraduate diploma in winemaking because it's a science degree and I already had the science degree, so you can just do the one-year oh, yeah, postgraduate yeah. diploma. And then um, luckily I've got a – oh, I had a, um, a very entrepreneurial um, accountant for a dad. So uh, uh, while I was – working for other people, he, he was antagonising, saying, come on, let's just start our own thing. Let's start our own thing. So um, so I did that while I was working for other people. And then and I, I thought I'd give it a go while I was young enough to fail and then move on to something else. But um, 22 years later, I'm still going. Yeah. You started in 97 was your, your first, first vintage. vintage yeah, of yeah, my yeah, wines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very, but but when you grew up, I mean, your parents were they were they into wine? Uh, I mean, wine nerds interested? Uh, Not wine drink. nerds. They weren't cork dorts, but loved wine and 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 drank wine every day. Like my dad drank sparkling or chardonnay every day. He only drank sparkling or chardonnay. Huh? So he's a real champagne Jane, <laughs> um, but and loved chardonnay, but but and really didn't drink any other wine. But he drank them every day, yeah, <laughs> and loved them, and didn't drink beer. Really, it was just that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, no fosters. No, no fosters. <laughs> um, and so through them, um, I got an appreciation for those styles of wine. And then you know, I was more adventurous than my dad in taste, so moved out into everything else. But really, backpacking around the world was where I really got a taste for wine. And looking back, you know, I was backpacking. I didn't have any money. Um, you know, I was in my early 20s and I was drinking bad carafe wine with floaties in it yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. but time and place and everything it just worked and that sort of started my the the romance side of wine kicked mm. in there <laughs> but also tell us uh, because you have around a little bit over 100 hectares or 106 or something like that yeah, right yep and mainly in orange and mudgy or all in mudgy 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 yeah uh, yeah, and uh, can you tell us about these regions? I mean, when it comes to to soil and climate and altitude yes. and all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so they're both um, high altitude places. They're both in a in a. They're west of Sydney, three hundred kilometers west of Sydney. If if you can picture where that is, mm-hmm. um, but they're um, up in the mountains. They're in the mountain range called the Great Dividing Range in Australia, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Mudgee, we're at 560 metres above sea level. Mm. Um, and there you get uh, v- very cold nights, but still reasonably warm days. Mm. Um, and then up in Orange, we're up at 1,000 metres above sea level. All right. And up there at 1,000 metres, um, you get only cool to mild days and cold nights. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the other... Two very important parts of the terroir of those two regions is that uh, the sun, it's very sunny. They're both very sunny um, because there's another mountain range between them and the sea. Mm. And so all the weather comes from the west. And the west is, if you can imagine a big picture of Australia, it's mostly desert. That, that's where the weather's coming from, the desert. And so mm. it's dry air that's coming across the desert, then gets pushed up into the mountains and cools. Oh, okay, okay. So mm-hmm. we don't really have cloudy days. We have days where it rains, of course, but there's not that many of them in a year. And if it's not raining, it's blue skies. Right. So you're cool but sunny. So you ripen slowly but ripen nice and fully. Um, and then the so thir- perfect. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds ideal, doesn't it? Um, and then the third part of the terroir puzzle is, of course, the soil. Mm. Um and it's different at the two places. Um, up at the 
or at the 560 meter level, it's um, very gravelly ironstone and quartz red loam gravel, mm. um, and that gives you quite in the red wines quite firm gravelly tannins. Um, whereas up at a thousand meters, the reason the orange region is so high there at a thousand meters is because it's um, on Mount Canobolus, which is an extinct volcano. Oh. Um, so it's and extinct a while ago. Um, so it's it's ancient decomposed volcanic soil, mm. um, and that gives its own character and, and particularly you notice it again once again more in the reds in the tannin structures you're getting a much more sort of velvety uh -huh. okay okay um i think people in sweden are i mean the general wine drink are most most common um, with your pinot noir um, yes and that is from from orange right that is we grow that up at a thousand meters. Yeah. Um, uh, so very cold climate um, Pinot, and up there it's um, you get quite quite a delicate Pinot. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite light bodied, um, but it still has structure to it. It's not it's not um, it's not watery and wishy washy, but but light bodied with structure um, and very perfumed. Mm -hmm. um, the the cold up there with the slow ripening, you get a lot of cherry and like wild strawberry or bush strawberry we call yeah. them the tiny little ones yeah um and also a lot of spices like um the cinnamon and allspice and uh those sort of those sort of characters yeah, yeah, it still has a nice, nice backbone we're going to try try yeah. some wines later on yeah. but uh, but also what 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 grapes do you grow where, so to speak? I mean, okay. you know, what yes. do you grow in orange and what do you grow in Majin? So up at a, in orange at 1,000 metres. Yeah. Um, so that's ba basically the easy way to think about it is that if you're above 600 metres, it's called orange, and if you're below 600 metres, it's yeah. called Mudgy. Okay. That's a, that's, it's a slight simplification, but it's the easiest way to think of it. Um, and um, up, at the, up at orange, where we're all up at around 1,000 metres, um, we grow cooler climate varieties um, generally, but also some of the ones that get thought of as warm climate varieties, just in a different style. So mm -hmm. Shiraz, for instance, will grow in both. Um, okay. And um, we actually have a range called Ridge of Tears, uh, which we don't have here at the moment, um, where it's uh, my top Shiraz, and it's a Shiraz from each region, just showing the terroir difference between oh, the two. Okay, okay. Um, so in Mudgee, we grow Tempranillo is really well suited there. Um, because it likes Tempranillo likes this big diurnal temperature range we have there in Mudgee and these gravelly ironstone based mm. soils with a bit of warmth in the day. It'd be too cold up in orange for it. Um, yeah. uh, we grow, but um, most of the other ones we have, oh, Merlot we grow in both. Uh, Semion, for instance, will grow in um, Mudgee but not orange because it's too cold up in orange for it. Yeah. But then you've got the cool climate heroes that we have of things like cool climate heroes, cool climate I like heroes. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Riesling and Pinot Gris and Gewurz, Tramener and Chardonnay and um, uh, Sauvignon Blanc and oh, Pinot yeah. Noir yeah. and things like that. Um, so you have a they're, lot they're of different up, grapes. Yeah, then. they're yeah. all up the top of the hill mm. in orange. But then there's also the Shiraz, but in a much more elegant, pretty spicy and red-fruited style mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. it is lower down the hill. Mm -hmm. um, and 
and the Bordeaux varieties, we actually grow up higher, not quite at a thousand meters, at about eight hundred and fifty. Cab Sav, Merlot, and Cabernet Franc. Okay. And they're they're very good in that area there, um, but they have a a decidedly dry herb edge to them, um, which is part of their character, like a real tobacco ed and rosemary edge oh, to okay, them, okay, cool. in with the chocolates and the the black fruits yeah, and that. Yeah, cool. Should we try some yeah. stuff here? Yeah. I mean, so while you pour, could, could you just uh, tell me a little bit? Should we start with the Chardonnay? Chardonnay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's from, from Orange? So this yeah. is from Orange. Mm. So um, while there is... Mudgee's actually the home of Chardonnay in Australia. It was the first place where Chardonnay was grown in Australia for 40 years before it was okay, grown anywhere okay, else. Okay. But they didn't know it was Chardonnay then. They were calling it White Pinot, P-I-N-E-A-U. And it was only <laughs> okay. when someone who had worked in Burgundy went and looked at this vineyard and went, hang on this is Chardonnay, <laughs> that they realised what they had. And that was 1970. And then Chardonnay, then the cuttings from that took off all over Australia and the Chardonnay boom happened. Oh, wow. But for 40 years, that this one vineyard in Mudgee was the only one that had it. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Anyway, now, but I, I, I prefer it um, up really high, up at the, the high altitude up in Orange, mm. um, where you've got real true, true cool climate, up cold climate even up there, um, but lots of sun, so you still get ripeness, as I said. And so you can see, we, for me, uh, barrel fermentation is important in Chardonnay because um, as uh, one of my Australian winemaking friends, um, Luke Lambert said, magic happens in oak and it's true, yeah. but you don't want to, you Over don't see oaks. that mag magic if all you see is the oak. No, exactly. Um, so I use large oak barrels and a lot of different ages and, you know, not much new oak so that you, you get the complexity of the barrel fermentation but you're seeing the <coughs> fruit characters and yeah. the secondary lazy characters and those sort of things um uh as with everything it's wild yeast ferment as with all the wines um which just helps the texture i think um so i think the I mean, you, you, you can probably uh, describe it better than I, but uh, but uh, it's really based around the the lemon and the light stone fruit and nut yeah, characters definitely. that we get there. A, a bit of a bit of orange as well. I mean, a little bit of orange zest almost. Uh, it's interesting you say that. Um, people sort of think that they're that it's word association when they go. I think I actually taste orange in this, but it is. Over the years, it is a dominant character in orange Chardonnay, but even in a lot of other varieties, but particularly in Chardonnay, is this orange character. Yeah. Orange from orange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's quite interesting. Is, is, yeah, and the, uh, and the uh, wood feeling is just very elegant. I mean, it's just, you, just you, a, you sense it, and it brings, mostly brings a little bit of spiciness. That's, but, but, yeah. that's right, yeah. It's which we don't want you to be drinking an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> But do you have a sort of a, a general winemaking philosophy at Logan, or is it? Yeah, yes, is it yes, yes, we do. Um, Could you describe that? Yeah, and that that is basically. I think there's so many great wines made in the world um, that you have to take the drinker on a journey to where your wine has come from. Um, and we're in this very unique terroir, high altitude, but lots of sun and volcanic soil up in Orange. That, that's, that's a unique terroir. So I, what I want to do is express that. I want to 
to take people on a journey there. So that's why I'm not letting the oak get in the way no. while it's expressing itself best after it's been in oak. It's it's trying to uh, in a pretty way because I like to make pretty and elegant wines, and I think and that's why I went to orange in the first place. Mm, mm. Um, so our house style is pretty elegant wines that really show the terroir of the region. Yeah. This is beautiful. Thank you. Also sort of a mineralic kick yes. in the in the finish. Yeah, yep, definitely. Really, that uh, once again that's a that's a, a a classic thing that you get in orange because it's so cold up there and if but if you do malac much malolactic fermentation then you lose that. So we mm. don't do that. And then we have um we have a Pinot Gris. A Pinot Gris, it's yeah. a very interesting Pinot Gris. It's an um, interesting grape. Uh, it's, it's, it is. Uh, have you worked with that f uh, from the beginning? Or, uh, uh, not from the beginning, but for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, so since 2005 was the first our first harvest of Alpino Gris. Oh, okay. Um, so it's now 13 years. And Pinot Gris, it can be a great variety or it can be a very boring variety. Yeah. Um, Depending on how you make it, if you just um, if you just grow it anywhere, pick it, crush it, ferment it, and put it out, it's alcohol delivery device essentially. It doesn't yeah. have much flavour, <laughs> and some people like that. They don't want a yeah. complicated wine; they just want an alcohol delivery device. Yeah. Um, however, it's only it's almost identical genetically to Pinot Noir. There's only one allele difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir. And you never make Pinot Noir that way. You put a lot of effort into your Pinot Noir. Mm. So we like to put a lot of effort into our Pinot Gris as well. Um, so first thing you'll notice when I pour it is the colour. The colour, yeah. It's um, amazing, sort of um, pinkish, orange. Uh, yeah, sort of like a, deep. Uh, like a yeah, cross between rust and apricot yeah, and salmon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so... Basically, I make this wine in four parcels. One parcel I pick early at like what would be a Pinot Grigio style, mm. and that's to keep some nice structure in the wine because um, by the time you get the good flavours in the Pinot Gris, you don't have much acid left in the grapes. Oh. But So I do one harvest early so that you keep the acid structure. Then when you get the nice rich pear character in the grapes, I go through and pick the rest of the grapes and divide that into three parcels. One parcel is fermented in stainless steel to retain that lovely pear fruit yeah, character. Yeah. Um, one parcel is fermented in oak barrels um, to build the mid-palate texture and enhance the nut and like nougat. Yeah, elements. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then very importantly, the third part of that um, harvest is fermented on its skins as if it were a red wine. Um, and... When you do that, you get a lot of those complex aromas. Once again, orange is a character. I think yeah. orange rind, but also a lot of florals and spices. Yeah. Um, a little bit Pinot Noir-esque yes, on the yes, nose. Yes, it is. I mean, with, yeah. with the almost red fruit. That's right. Well. Yeah. And I make that parcel. We make it like we're making Pinot Noir. We just put it into a little open fermenter and plunge it by uh, hand, yeah. we, um, just like we would with Pinot Noir. And... Um, then what that parcel also does is, of course, it contributes the colour, um, but it also, very importantly, gives a crunchy finish because of the tannins that you get from fermenting that way on the skins. You get like a <clears throat> nice, clean, crunchy tang yeah. to the back of the palate, which cleans the palate out and gives a length to it and means it goes great with food. And, yeah. and the, because on this you have a it's just Wimala. Wimala. So Wimala is the name of my farm. Oh. Um, 
well, one of my farms. Um, and it's, uh, it's an uh, Aboriginal word, Australian native Aboriginal mm-hmm. word that means beautiful view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do, if you come out and visit us, we do have a very beautiful view at the cellar door. Yeah. And they've all got different little bird on the label because we have a lot of uh, native birds that fly around our vineyard. Yeah. Um, so we put them on the label. This one on the Pinot Gris label, actually I don't like very much this bird because it likes to go up to particularly the Pinot Gris grapes <laughs> okay. and stick its beak yeah. in one and ah. then move to the next bunch and do it again. Okay, but it's a nice... Uh, but it's a lovely uh, bird. Yeah, it's a lovely bird and a nice label It is a lovely well. bird, it's a bit cheeky. Oh, this Pinot Gris is, wow, food-friendly wine indeed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly with like... Yeah, a lot of your fish that you have over here, I'd say, yeah, yeah. work very well, particularly with uh, some citrus in the sauce. Oh, perfect, perfect. But also some 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 uh, melted butter. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, be definitely. Quite, quite uh, yeah, for sure. Quite fat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, beautiful. I like that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, would you like to have a look at some Pinot Noir? Yeah, sure, sure. And this is the Pinot Noir we've had in uh, the small party system. At the, uh, Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, for a couple, couple of times, I twice think. Twice it's yeah, been twice, in, yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, let's hope for number three. Yeah, I love the color on this one. It's so, uh, especially if you're, if you're, I mean, to be a new world Pinot Noir, so to speak. Mm. Uh, this is really, really elegant. Very transparent. Uh, you can see it at its high altitude. <laughs> That's right. Well, I um, there is a number of New World Pinot Noirs, um, particularly from my Kiwi neighbours, but also from Australia, who um, it's almost like mini Shiraz. They're yeah, they're, yeah. they're so extracted mm. and so big. And for me, that's not Pinot Noir. Um, they can they can be lovely wines, yeah. but they just not all that Pinot Noiry. Um, 
So I, I like to be very delicate in the winery with it. We just plunge this very gently by hand. Um, and that means you release, if, you, if it's too extracted, a lot of the beautiful gentle texture and perfume is hidden. Yeah. And that's really what, for me, that's what Pinot Noir is about. Yeah. So th that's what we, we really try to exhibit. How do you work with, when it comes to oak uh, on, on this one? So this is um, about, um, not all of it, a part, part of it goes into oak barrels. Um, old again, ones large, large old ones. barrels. Yeah. The, yeah. the new barrels just, because it's so delicate, they yeah. just annihilate it. Yeah. <laughs> we try it every year, put one a bit into one barrel and go, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so we still keep our new barrels for things like Tempranillo and Cabernet Sauvignon yeah, and stuff yeah. that can handle the new oak. Exactly. Um, and then they, what, they move to Pinot Noir mm. afterwards. Mm. But how, how much when it comes to grapes, I mean, what grape do you have most of? Uh, or is it... Or is Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, okay. actually. Mm? Yeah. And how much of each? Uh, well, uh, sort of. Yeah, it comes to. I'll have to. It, there, there's multiple blocks of each, but it basically comes to about 10, 15 hectares, 15 to 20 hectares of each. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Well,. Um, I don't know if it's, I mean on this one I I felt it before because I know the the the, the volcanic soil, but it almost feels like I don't know if it's just imagination, but a little bit of smoky minerality in in the end. No, uh, that's right. I I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, that and uh, and that's not from the oak because like no. I said, they're old barrels and there's and only part of it's been into the oak at all. No. It's just the um, that is the terroir of the Pinot Noir in our area. Um, you do get like a, yeah, a, like a smoky, earthy um, mm, mm. Um, sort of roasted thyme um, yeah, exactly. character yes. to it. Mm, mm. And I think, I mean, how, how many bottles of this do you do? I think we got like 4,800 or something like that in, in Sweden uh, the last time, which was yes. a couple of months ago. But yes. how, how many bottles uh, a year do you do? This one, this is our, is our this and the Pinot Gris are our biggest. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's about, it's, what's five, it's 60,000. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to try some things that I've never tried. I'm going to try Tempranillo and Shiraz and Cabernet Merlot. It's going to be really exciting. Have uh, you tried a Tempranillo from Australia before? Yeah, I have. But, um, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember what Perhaps producer I have. From Vale or Barossa, there's a few down there. Yeah, I've tried something from like uh, Yara. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't remember the producer, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a variety that's starting to be planted a bit in Australia. Um, and we planted at our Mudgee Vineyard. Actually, we planted it at the same time as eight others. Everyone in the Mudgee region is a small family company. There's no multinational companies. Um, no. And so you can just do things because it's your own decision. Yeah. Um, and so a few years back, uh, one of the guys in town, winemakers, it's a very... It's a very good community, the winemaking community. Mm. There. Mm. Very um, fostering and helping, and mm. and um, like we have a soccer team, an indoor soccer team together, okay. just the winemakers. <laughs> yeah, all right, right. Um, yeah. And um, uh, one of the guys said a few years ago, let's all get together and have a drink next Thursday, and everyone bring a bottle of red that you think would work in our region. Yeah. And um, 
just old manner of things, but we all kept coming back to the Tempranillo because soil-wise, climate-wise, yeah. it seemed like it had worked. You could make lovely medium-bodied, rustic red, which was the sort of thing we are all interested in. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, eight of us went out that year and planted Tempranillo yeah. um, so that the name, the region could get a bit of a name for it. And uh. now this, that was, our first vintage was the 2012. Now this is the 2016. 16. Okay, okay. So, um, what and what we're going for, you know, it's not Rioja. Rioja's no. great, but Rioja's Rioja. Uh, Ribeiro do Duero is the same. Um, uh, same with, you know, up at in Portugal and up at Priorat and yeah. La Mancha. Less oak in this one, for, for sure. Less oak, definitely. So, while, once again, all of this has been into oak, mm. only part of it's new oak, mm. and but a lot of it's old oak, um, because I want to show the 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 varietal and yeah. regional characters mm. of Tempranillo. Um, not, you know, if I just smashed it with oak, it may look, it, for the Rioja fans, it may look a bit like Rioja, but mm. what's the point? Rioja does Rioja. Um, so I think you get the real, what I and what I see as the um, vari regional varietal characters here is that real sort of like cherry cola without the sugar, like yeah. a, a sarsaparilla-y... <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah. Type yeah. type character and a bit of a cherry character. Quite a lot of cherry, I, I get. Yeah, and even a little vanilla, um, which doesn't come from the oak. We noticed the vanilla in the wine before we even put it in oak. So it's a rare variety that has a vanilla mm. character mm. on its own. And then you notice the palate is. It's not polished. It's quite. It's quite rustically structured. Only medium body, but quite a lot in the medium body. Yeah. And quite, I mean, the tannins are definitely obvious, but, yeah. but well integrated. But how, how long do you think uh, a wine like this would, would keep in the cellar? Quite a long time. So those tannins that you just pointed to, they're really good for ageing. People mm. have known uh, for years that mudgy reds age for a long time. Mm. But uh, the... Australian Wine Research Institute just recently did a study of tannins and across regions and ah. pinpointed the type of tannin that you get in mudgy reds as the ones that do most of the work in the cellar over ah. the years. Ah, okay. So um, they uh, that will age for a good well, – look, it'll age fine for a good 20 years. But what you have to keep in mind is that cherry fruit is so important to the yeah. wine. Mm. So you want it while it's still there. Yeah. So, you know, I think at 10 years old, it's going to be looking absolutely beautiful. Oh, but, yeah. you know, it'll age for a lot longer. Yeah. I also noticed that you work with screw cap. Do you have that on all your wines? Or, all or, all yeah? apart from the sparkling. Um, oh, of course, yeah. But, um, yeah, so the reason I use screw cap is because corks can just have too many problems. Mm. Um, whether it's cork taint that... Um, that makes the wines smell like old wet socks mm. or whether it's um, a variable oxygen that get passes through from one cork to the next to makes them age at completely different rates. Um, you know, I planted the wines in this very individual terroir, um, go out in the middle of winter to prune the vines at exactly the right time, do everything to grow them perfectly, pick them at the right time, everything in the winery to make the best wine, then I don't understand why, when it comes to bottling, why you would then play <laughs> Russian roulette with what you no. put in the top. No. Um, whereas with screw cap, all wines, um, all, well, you don't get any of the taints and 
all wines in screw cap age at the same rate. So there's still oxygen passing through the screw cap, but the same amount from one screw cap to the next. Yes. So after 15 years, if you if you had this Tempranillo and you had it in cork and you pulled out a bottle at a dinner party in 15 years' time, everyone went, that's fantastic, let's open another one. Yeah. If it was under cork, the one bottle right, right next to it would be completely different. Yes. Um, whereas if it's in screw cap, it'll be exactly the same. And you also have uh, have had a time to to see what happens in like twenty two years. That's right. Uh, that's so, right. And, uh, and you feel that the wine's it's, it works. Great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. That's nice. Do you work um, organically or biodynamically or, so, or something like that? We or use what's we use uh, what's called integrated pest management. Yeah. And integrated yeah. weed management, mm -hmm. um, which is basically where you're mostly organic um, principles, but with uh, a few that aren't organic in order to essentially have the lowest impact on the land. Exactly. C completely organic can be great if you're in the right place, but there's very few of those places mm. around. So if it does rain at the wrong time, people don't understand that organic vineyards spray and they spray copper and sulfur yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, it, but if you're, what we do basically means that you can just do less spraying overall. Mm. Um, and that's, so that's what we do. Um, biodynamic, I like the, I like the, I agree that the moon definitely influences the ripening of the grapes, but um, I don't agree with other, some other parts of it as in, no, I don't disagree, I just don't feel other parts. The, no, no. the more religious side of no. them I don't feel. <laughs> so I, I think it would be a con to just go and say, oh, these are biodynamically farmed if yeah. I'm not, 100% behind uh, it. Yeah. But the moon definitely does influence the ripening, that's for sure. Uh, cool. Should we pour some Shiraz now? Yes, let's. Uh, also, uh, you, it, it is sort of a family business, right? It's you and your wife and... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it started with me and my father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, so he, uh, like I said earlier, he wasn't a winemaker. He was much more important. He was an accountant. So... <laughs> So he uh, made sure we didn't go bust while I was working out how to do this. Um, uh, and then, uh, but he passed away in 2004. Um, and um, then um, my wife at the time and I uh, took it over. Yeah. Uh, well, we were running it anyway. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, now she's moved out of the business. And um, so now, it's, now it's, it's me with a team of 12 staff. Mm? Okay, okay. So Shiraz, two thousand thirteen from yes. from Orange. Yes. Um, so uh, Shiraz, Australia's national variety, and a lot of people straight away think they know what Australian Shiraz is, mm. um, and they're right because what they've seen is what they're thinking of, which is huge, big blockbuster, yeah, yeah, oaky yeah. things you can stand your spoon up in. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but that's not what I wanted to make. There's, I'm not, I don't have a problem with those wines, but I don't want to make them. Um, when I planted Shiraz in orange, all those years ago, everyone said you can't grow Shiraz in orange, but they were meaning that you can't make that style of Shiraz in orange. Um, it, there's so much sun there, you can ripen it really well. And look at the Northern Rhone. It's a yeah. cool climate variety. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a cool climate variety. Um, and so that's the sort of, what I wanted to make was this, pretty side of Shiraz. It's still got depth. It's got plenty of depth. Yeah, it's quite, I mean, quite well firm and well structured. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, that's right. But the perfume is of sort of spices and red fruits and, and charcuterie a bit, yeah, like beef, yeah. beefy. 
Um, Especially compared to to Northern Rhone, I would be like in San Josef, I think. Yeah, like I, yeah, I, yeah, I I always think San Josef yeah. too. Um, and then, uh, but the volcanic soils give that quite vel. The tannins are there, mm. but they're quite velvety, um, and um, it's but it's quite mouth filling. It's yeah, it's a variety I love up in Orange. And now there's quite a lot of Shiraz up in Orange, but when we planted it, it was the first. L lovely, I think. It drinks so well. I mean, it's only five years old, but it's so uh, yeah, really good. I think yeah, that's it, it right. could hold up for, for, for a long time as well. But it, you could, but that's the difference really between Maggi right and now. Orange Shiraz. Yeah, but is no, that well, you can you can enjoy the, mm. the 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 orange ones sort of hit their drinking window earlier yeah. than the Maggi ones. But how how does do um, Maggi Shiraz from the same year? How uh, what's the difference between uh, at the and moment orange, you still it, well it also looks great, but. Maji Shiraz from the same year, you need to either decant it or have it with some protein yeah. to, to really um, but the taste cut profile in the general, is it, is it more firm, more, more yeah, tannic? Much uh, more earth. Yeah, okay. Um, and dark chocolate and tobacco mm. and. Um, more dark berries than the red fruits. berries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark berries, plum, plums. Mm. A little, but Maji always has a little floral lift to it. Oh? Yeah. Okay, okay. Sort of, it must be the cold nights, I think. Mm -hmm. Because strangely, the nights are colder in orange, further down the, in Mudgee, than they are in orange. So at 550 metres, the nights are colder than up at 1,000. And I think that's because the cold air runs down the hill. Wow. I see, I have a paper here that says 199 crones. I think that's for restaurant, but, but yeah. it's still quite um, affordable. I mean, it's a good, yeah. nice price line. It would yeah, be yeah. like 250 for for a consumer. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's it's one of my pet loves and projects is Shiraz because because like I said when we started there, everyone said you can't do it, and uh, mm. and showing that we can and and have really changed a lot of people's perception of what Australian Shiraz is. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then we have one left then. One Cab left. Cabernet Merlot. Cabernet Merlot. And how the blend? I mean, how is it fifty-fifty or is it? Um, well, it's actually there's it's actually Cabernet Franc as well. Um, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's. Um, do you do a, um, a varietal drink Cabernet Franc? Sorry, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to put one out soon. Cool. Um, we've been struggling with it for years in that I keep wanting to, and like my Sydney distributor, who's the biggest market, and uh, my wife at the time would always say. No, we can't sell straight cab from. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But now things are changing in Australia and you can and around the world, and I'm a big fan of it. Um, me too. And it's so good where we are. Um, but now we have this range, which isn't here at the moment, called Clementine, which is for the more interesting esoteric little li mm. li lines we have. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be able to work it into that range. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I love to try it when it, when it's out. Thank you. So this one is uh, so the Cabernet Sauvignon and the Merlot are pretty well equal in component. Mm, this is um, two thousand twelve. Um, and it's uh, fourteen percent of its Cabernet Franc, but when you smell it, it smells like it's all Cabernet Franc. Y yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. It's yeah, it's very Cabernet. Yeah. only fourteen percent, one four. <laughs> it really is, cuts through. Yeah. Um, and then, but it's, and the balance is, yeah, basically equal between Cab Sav and Merlot. Mm, okay. And the Cab Sav up in Orange is, is a wonderful variety, uh, but it's uncompromising and it's very hard to have a straight Cab Sav because it's very linear, straight down mm, the middle mm. of the palate. It's got lovely raspberry and tobacco characters and rosemary, 
but the tannin and acid straight across the middle of the palate is is a bit uncomfortable. A bit harsh. Yeah. Mm. Um, Merlot is really fills it out beautifully. Merlot's really good up there. Really, dark. it's not light and fluffy. It's dark and black fruits and chocolate or blue fruits and chocolate and and violets and black olive and truffle and stuff. Um, and but texturally fills out the Cab Sav. And then the cab frog just comes in with the prettiness and yeah. the lift and sort of the, the cab frog perfume. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting because it's so much cab frog in, in, on the nose, but then in the mouth you feel more of the uh, cab song, I think. Yeah, with, with cab a, with, yeah, yeah cab definitely. With, with yeah, the structure of the cab the, um, Sort of licorice and yeah. uh, cassis. And the thing. drive that goes yeah, straight yeah, across yeah, the palate. Yeah. Really nice. Mm. But how is when it comes to vintages? Are, are I mean, since it's quite um, uh, consistent climate, so you say, but or is it the big differences from? Oh no, no vintage. No, no. It's while while I say you know it's um, we don't have a lot of cloudy days. We do have big dif- differences year to year um, in temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it's it's not the it's, you do get different amounts of rain too, but. The biggest difference is the temperature differences, yeah. um, and particularly in a cold climate, they're amplified because you're out so much longer. Um, so, like 2012, this what we're trying here. This was the 11 and 12 of the two coldest vintages we've had. So, um, you know, we didn't harvest these grapes till middle of May, which, if you move that over to add six months to what you'd be doing in Europe, that's, uh, that's June, July, August, um, October, November. November, middle of November. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, whereas um, this year, mm. 2018, which was quite a warm year, mm. um, we harvest, We were all finished um, by the end of March. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so the that's differences difference. can be quite yeah. just based on what the average like temperature September is. In, yeah. yeah, in yeah. Europe. Yeah, well, uh, March... Yeah, yeah, September, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and, um, yeah, so the average temperature over the growing season will change things a lot. Not so much in – not as much in Mudgee where it's lower down and, mm-hmm. and the, it's not as amplified. But in Orange where it's right high up and the growing slow, it's – in a cold year it's even slower and oh, cool. <laughs> it gets amplified. But if you – just going to say something about what's going on in Australia – in general, do you since you're you're in the winemaking business, do you feel there's any any specific trends or movements when it comes to to wine in, in Australia right now? Oh yeah, there certainly is. Um, uh, there's certainly um, a lot of exploration of minor varieties or varieties that hadn't been really planted much in Australia or at all in Australia in the past. Things like uh, Fiano and Greco and Vermentino mm-hmm. and um, uh, Picpool and um, um, Grunewaldliner and Blau Frankish, um, you know, these sort of varieties, there's a, been quite an, an exploration of mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. as you saw with the Tempranillo here too. Um, that's one. Uh, another one is there's quite a lot of... Um, the um, whites being fermented on skins. Oh, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, either as, uh, for want of a better word, natural orange mm, wines mm, um, mm. or just as uh, making them like a red wine. Mm. Um, 
uh, and the great, lovely textures and extra flavours you can get out of that. Mm. Um, so they're probably the two biggest movements, but probably for the world, what looks like a movement but really isn't, it's more just us showing the world now, yeah. is the letting, letting the world know that we're a whole continent and there's a lot of different... Um, types of wines made within a continent um, yeah. and and trying to get away from just showing the big Shiraz um, as this is what Australia is and the low price sweet things as mm, this is what mm, Australia is, mm. um, showing that there's 3,000 wineries in Australia, um, four or five of them are large, 15 of them are uh, medium sized mm. and then the other... 2,980 yeah. are small family businesses yeah, like yeah, we are. Yeah. And those 2,980 small businesses uh, are all there. Most most of them are trying to express their terroir, whether it's a warm climate on sandy soil, whether it's a cold climate on volcanic soil. Mm. It doesn't matter as long as they're... As long as they're representing their place well and showing, making beautiful wines that take you on a journey to that mm. place, then... That's what that's what the complex where the great wines of Australia are, and I think we're starting to get that message out yeah. finally. Yeah. And one last question then: What's what's uh, I mean, what's cooking at at Logan right now? What will happen for you in the sort of upcoming five years or so? Well, um, we've got another new wine we're releasing this year, which is um, in the Clementine range I mentioned, which is uh, mm -hmm. where we've got a started Clementine's my daughter's name and started with a. a bottling some of the Pinot Gris that's the skin fermented just on its own. Mm. So very skin fermented Pinot Gris. Mm. And that was very popular. So we've added to it a one called Blushing Mini, which is a, a juicy young red that's um, made from Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris and Pinot Munier, which is sort of drunk with a little chill on it. Too. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And that's also done well. So now we're completing that range this year with a white. So there'll be a white, an orange and a red. Okay, and that's cool. a... Um, it's called the Clementine de la Mer because it's a very salty wine and oh. it's, uh, it's a, a blend of skin fermented, well, all skin fermented, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling. Okay, and cool. Very cl cloudy skin fermented wine and that's looking lovely. So that's the next thing is launching that. Yeah, and then the Cabernet Franc. And then the Cabernet Franc <laughs> will come after it. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Peter Logan, thank you for taking the time talking to us and... Um, Good luck with everything and have a nice rest of your stay in Sweden and in Europe. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. It's been lovely. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.